like become amazed at the freshness of the Word of God. The freshness I'm referring to is of a passage that I have read and spoke on many times, and yet there was a nugget there that I never saw before until this week. I'm not referencing Luke chapter 2 because that is my favorite passage of Christmas time, but I'm referring to Genesis chapter 22. For those of you that are biblical scholars, you'll remember that in Genesis chapter 22, God asks Abraham to do something that we didn't think he could do. He was to take his son, his only son, whom he loved, Isaac, and he was to offer him up as a sacrifice to God. We look at that as being a test, if you will, from God. But yet at the same time, I want you to see that there is a promise in that test. As Abraham laid the wood upon his son Isaac and sheathed the knife that he was going to use, Isaac asked him a question. And the question was, Where's the lamb? Abraham spoke directly and I believe faithfully to his son and he said, God will provide the lamb. The continuation goes as they reach to the top of the mountain. Abraham builds an author, an altar, and he lays the wood on the altar, and then he binds his son and lays him on top of the altar. He takes his knife from his sheath and he is about to kill his son with one swift blow. But the angel of the Lord said, Stop. For he says, Now I know that you fear the Lord God of heaven. Pretty soon after that particular exchange, it says that Abraham looked behind him and there was a ram that was caught in the thicket by its horns. That in particularly was not the lamb that God was going to provide. A lamb doesn't have horns. A lamb is not referred to as a ram. In other words, what Abraham knew was from a covenant that God had made with him concerning the blessing of the world that through his seed would come the blessing. The blessing didn't happen at that top of that mountain that day. The blessing was going to come many years later. The ram was not the lamb. Oh, we look at that and we can contrive in our own memory a picture, if you will, of God willingly and successfully offering His Son 
when God and Abraham had their private conversation and when Abraham revealed that truth to his son Isaac, when he said, God will provide a lamb. It wasn't at that moment. It wasn't at that event. It was a promise that God had made that he would fulfill in his own time. This morning, I want to share with you the thought of our magnificent Savior. And I want to share with you some thoughts this morning that maybe you already know, but it's good to stir our memory once again when we see the magnificence of our Savior in His birth, in His life, and in His death. And so when we come to Luke chapter 2 as being the point of fulfillment of a promise from Genesis chapter 22, we are reminded of the magnificence of our Savior demonstrated by His birth. We are instantaneously taken from the verses that Pastor Steve read. We are instantly taken to the outskirts of the village of Bethlehem. And it is there that shepherds are doing what shepherds do. They're watching their sheep by night. We understand that during this time of history, shepherds would have been considered at the lowest rung of the community ladder. They would not have been considered to be any higher than their smell would take them. They were considered to be unimportant in the scheme of life. And yet, it is to these shepherds that our magnificent Savior was announced of His birth. If we would allow our imagination to take over our senses we would hear the magnificent Savior being described as, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you, just in case you don't get lost, this will be a sign unto you that you will find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes Lying in a manger where you don't put babies. You put animal feed. When that angel's doxology is finished, the text tells us that there was a host of heavenly beings praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. No wonder we can conjecture that these shepherds were greatly afraid. But in the instance after the angels had left, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem to see this thing which the Lord has made known unto us. My question for all of us here this morning, just not at Christmas time, but at every time, 
have you come to see the Savior? He's a magnificent Savior. Our magnificent Savior's birth has us to stop and ponder such things as this, that deity willingly left halls of heaven and came to reside in the homes of men. The Bible tells us that you shall call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of His Kingdom, there will be no end. We're told in the Scriptures that you shall call His name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When we peruse our fingers to the New Testament, we find such as it says that God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Paul picks up that scene as he pens for the church at Rome when he says, but God demonstrated His own love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was God, deity, who left heaven and came and resided in the homes of man. He's a magnificent Savior. Jesus Christ is magnificent because He's God's gift to the lostness of mankind. He's God's glory for those who would desire to seek His face. He's God's grace for those who will come by faith. He's God's grandeur for those who would listen to the song of the angels. That night in the field, the shepherds were the first to be given the grandness of the truth that God's peace has come in the form of a Savior. For we read that this magnificent Savior was born according to the plan of God And it's said to be in God's time, in God's way, revealing God's message to rescue a people for God's glory. The Bible says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. This magnificent Savior was born to fulfill the Word of God's prophets as they told of one who is the Word of God. They tell of Bethlehem was to be His birthplace. Virgin born was to be His vehicle of birth. David's lineage was to be His pedigree. Judah was to be his tribe. The manger was to be his lowly estate. The world was to be his mission. And the Word of God was to be his message. The magnificent birth of Jesus Christ was declared by angels, told by prophets, looked upon by shepherds, worshipped by the created star, 
and proclaimed by those who saw him. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you this morning, dear people? We have a magnificent Savior who was born miraculously. He came to dwell among men. He came to demonstrate God's love and power. He came to dominate the forces of darkness. He came to destroy the works of Satan. And He came to declare freedom for setting people free. Our magnificent Savior socialized with lows of lowly means. He scholarized with those of high means. He who was born was already living. He who was born as God's gift was already God's Son. He who was born may have cried, but He also brought tears of joy to those who met Him. He who was born was held by a mother who would become His servant. This is my magnificent Savior. Is He yours? Is He yours? The magnificence magnificence of our Savior is also demonstrated by His life. When you turn to the pages of Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, your mind's eye reveals the very essence of the magnificence of our Savior. This chapter reveals the glory of Christ as the sower's seed, the sea's master the secluded freer, the social outcast establisher, and a sick child healer. Our magnificent Savior revealed compassion for those who were forsaken, commanded over the elements and evil, corrected those seeking, and controlled over those in despair. For you see, our Savior came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to call the lost sheep home. He came for the lame, the blind, the deaf, the outcast, and the cast down. He's a magnificent Savior. In His life, He calmed the raging seas, the searching hearts, the winds obeyed His voice, demons shook at His voice, And the dead were raised by the sound of His voice. His care was unmatched. His compassion unending. His counsel unstoppable. And His course unchangeable. Satan couldn't stop Him. Man couldn't match Him. Religion couldn't change Him. And crowds couldn't get enough of Him. This is my magnificent Savior. Do you know Him? He was the only one who could walk on water without sinking. He was the only one who could fast for 40 days and 40 nights without wavering. He's the only one who could change water into wine, sinners into saints, tree climbers to people lovers. Those sleeping in death awakened to life. Pigs drowned, demons left, lame walked, blind saw, 
paralyzed, jumped, and adulterers stopped practicing. You see, this is my magnificent Savior. Do you know Him? Jesus is the only one who can forgive sin, heal brokenness, establish glory, and love the world. This is my Savior. And He's magnificent. Lastly, our Savior is magnificent in His death. The Bible tells us He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. Our magnificent Savior was mocked by harsh words, spat upon by heathen warriors, beaten, whipped by heavy-handed soldiers, beaten by unbelieving souls, Forsaken by unsteady disciples. He was condemned among the condemned, crucified with the coarsest of sleeves, crushed by the weight of sin, cast away from the Father's presence. What makes him magnificent is that he heralded a cry for forgiveness for those who do not know what they were doing. He heard the cries of a repentant thief and promised him paradise. He heroically gave his life for the lost. He fulfilled all he came to do and more. And the Bible says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, for the King of glory is coming in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. The Lord strong and mighty in battle. I have a magnificent Savior. Do you know Him? The cross couldn't deter Him. The stone couldn't conceal Him. The grave could not hold Him. And hell had no power over Him. This is my Savior. Magnificent in his birth, his life, and his death. But it's not over. For my magnificent Savior is coming again. The promise he gave to the disciples when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. But if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. The Apostle Paul brings comfort to the Christians at Corinth and also through Thessalonica when he tells them that the grave isn't the end. For there's going to be a day when the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up To meet them, meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall ever be with the Lord. It's not over, dear people. Jesus is coming. That's my Savior. He's magnificent in His birth. Magnificent in His life. Magnificent in His death. And one day we will be able to proclaim how magnificent He is as we stand in glory.
Are you ready to meet Him? Do you know Him or does He better yet? Does He know you? For He says, I know my sheep. If He who is the Magnificent can name all of the stars in the heavens, He also has the names of His children. Written in the depths of His memory by the blood that He shed upon the cross. I have a Magnificent Savior. Jesus Christ is the magnificent Savior, and He's mine. How about you? Oh, that you would know Him and worship Him and serve Him because He is magnificent and He's my Savior. We thank You, our God, this morning. Though the season that is upon us draws our attention to the magnificent One who created it all. Thank You, O Lord Jesus, for coming and taking upon Yourself the form of man that You may walk among us, tabernacle with us, have compassion upon us, feed us, Clothe us. Assure us. And die for us. Your magnificence goes beyond anything that we can begin to imagine. But that one day when we stand before You and the glories of heaven that You've created and joined with the angels in the song saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. May that song even now be on our lips during these days as we travel through this time. So unto You, O Lord God, we would be like the shepherds. Let us leave the hillside of life and come and bow the knee to the Savior of all mankind. You alone are worthy. For You are magnificent. And in that we close, O Lord God, this morning and we pray that Your words would not leave our hearts or minds so quickly today but that we would focus on our magnificent Savior. For it is in His name we pray and all God's people would say,